Welcome to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos. I am an educator, speaker, mentor, and author. I believe in the importance of helping children reach their potential so they will become well-rounded, intelligent citizens with positive influence and impact in society. Join me to hear from experts who can help give parents access to the best skills, strategies, tools, and resources to help their children be successful and ultimately excel in the world. Hello, everybody. This is Helen again, and welcome to my uh, parent podcast show. I am happy to have with me today Tracy Gould Shining. And she is a professional mediator, and she can tell us more about herself. So welcome, Tracy, to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Helen. I'm glad to be here. Well, tell me a little bit, uh, or our audience, about uh, yourself and um, your background, and where did you start from and journey to what you are doing today? Sure. So I was introduced to mediation in the early 90s in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, A friend, um, actually a couple of friends were involved in this organization that did all kinds of peace type work. And they said, hey, we've got this training going on. Think you might be interested, come check it out. I kind of had nothing to do, (laughs) so I went. And it was really just basic conflict resolution skills, like a two day, 48 hour, basic skills. And as a young person in my 20s, I had never even heard of the concept. I mean, I obviously knew what conflict was, knew what resolution was, but as a thing, as a process, it it was new to me and I just loved it. And then that same group was doing a mediation training the next weekend. And so I dove into that and I just, it just clicked. I thought this is really great. And at the time there wasn't really opportunity to actually mediate much Uh, It was happening in the schools. There was peer mediation going on, um, but it was really in-house. So outside of that, there wasn't really great opportunity. So eventually a bunch of us got together and created from the ground up a community mediation center, nonprofit. um, And we trained volunteers and we provided services to pretty much anybody and everybody trying to stretch it wide Um, offering um, mediation for family stuff, real estate, business. Um, And then we got connected with the courts. So we were doing like um, simple um, um, criminal matters. Um, So a real wide range of things. And I had the opportunity to not only get involved on the ground level, but eventually become the executive director. And in my capacity there over the number of years, I got exposed to so many different like kinds of issues that you could use mediation for. And I got to train folks and I got to mediate and I got to promote it. And I I was hooked, obviously. (laughs) I just stuck with it. (laughs) And that was, we opened the doors there in 99 and it's still going, which is wonderful. Um, But yeah, that's been my thing since then. Wow. That's quite a journey. That's awesome. (laughs) So let's get into some questions for parents. How does education play a role in divorce? And I know a lot of parents, single parents, and there's a lot going on there, but um, how does that play a role in uh, education? Yeah, so when parents are divorcing 
Or if there's another thing in Georgia called legitimation, it's very similar court process to divorce. Basically, you've got to figure out your parenting plan in either scenario for your children. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that comes up and is required to be addressed is who, which parent will be the final decision maker on education related issues. So there's four areas that this decision-making thing has to get figured out at the time of divorce. Um, essentially, the, the courts, once you're figuring it out as parents, they want you working together to figure it out what's best for the kids. Um, they don't want you coming back to court to have the judge decide because you're supposed to know your kids best and what the options are for them. So they have you do it at the time of divorce. And um, ultimately, what you end up doing is putting on paper which parent will decide all things education, where they go to school, um, and then other issues like if they're going to be in advanced classes or if they need any kind of support. Um, so the whole wide range. And uh, like I said, ideally, parents will work it out and figure it out together. Um, but if there is a disagreement, then that person on paper who is the decision maker, the final decision maker gets to make that call. Okay. Yes, that would be ideal, right? Yes. Both parents and support like tutoring, correct? (laughs) Sure. That comes up because sometimes you'll have a parent that says, you know, little Johnny needs some support. They need tutoring. And the other parent says, I don't think he does. I think he's doing just fine. And I don't want to pay for it. Right. (laughs) And so um, they have to. Um, Yeah, I've seen that a few times, a couple times. I bet you have. (laughs) So does that mean the final decision maker has the authority to decide where the kids go to school then? Yes, where they go to school. If it's public school, then uh, the final decision maker, um, usually that child would go where that parent is zoned. If there's good collaboration with the parents and they're in two different school districts, they may agree to have the kid go to whichever school is the better fit for that child. Um, regardless of who's final decision maker, but if there's friction between the parents, they don't communicate well, then the, then likely the child's going to go where the final decision making parent is zoned. Um, if it's pu- private school, uh, they can decide that. They have the power to decide that. Um, but back to money, if the non-final decision making parent does not want to pay for that private school tuition, they they will not be required to because it wasn't technically their decision. Okay. Yeah. I've seen that too. Yep. Um, I think you're a terrific guest for this podcast because I've seen <laughs> a lot of, of this, uh, you know, different scenarios that you're uh, talking about today. I bet. What, what if uh, one parent, I guess you, you said this, if one parent doesn't want to pay for private school tuition, then do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that one too? Well, and sometimes folks will have these conversations during divorce process, and this is where we can really get into it in mediation to be very thorough. So if a child maybe is currently in private school and there's not um, 100% agreement between the parents, we can talk about what they're going to do moving forward. Mm -hmm. So you can put extra language in your divorce agreement that says, you know, should this happen, we're going to go this way. Should this happen, we're going to go this way. So it's covered ahead of time, depending mm-hmm. on, because things change, kids grow, <laughs> people right. move. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, I see a lot of that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, does the mediator decide who will be the final decision maker? No. So um, mediators don't make the decisions for the parties. 
Um, our job is to help them have those conversations, help them negotiate the conversations. Um, I will give them examples of things I've seen other folks do that work well. I will talk to them about the realities of um, any particular option that they may be weighing and the pros and cons of any direction they're thinking about going in. Mm -hmm. We can compare those kinds of things. Um, we can talk about the realities of court, what a judge is likely to do. Um, in my experience, I've spent a lot of years in the courtroom watching judges <laughs> make these decisions. So I can't, I can't predict exactly what a judge is always going to do, but I can say, here's what's likely to happen and mm -hmm. um, encourage them to own the decisions themselves and come up with it themselves. But ultimately it's up to the parents in mediation. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not going to tell them what to do, but I'm going to try to help them figure it out. Now, do you uh, get involved in out of state um, cases as well? Yes, I do now. Yeah. Um, now that all my work is online, um, I'm able to reach folks mm -hmm. and work with folks in, in any state. And even before everything was online, for me, um, it was not uncommon to have one parent that was out of state and one parent here in Georgia. So but now they could be anywhere. Does that get more complicated, would you say that, you know, one's out of state, one's here, let's say in Atlanta, Georgia? Is that more complicated? It can be depending on their level of conflict. Um, if they are a low or even moderate conflict type couple and out-of-state parent recognizes it really doesn't make sense for them to be the decision maker on education because they're not here, mm -hmm. then there's no problem. But sometimes you might have somebody who's living in a, a different reality and they, they want that power and control for whatever reason. And so those conversations can be tough. I ask that because I, I know of a couple that, that that situation is happening between here, let's say in Georgia and another state. So, yeah, I believe it has a lot to do with people uh, coordinating together and less conflict. <laughs> um, so um, what if the parents cannot agree in, in mediation, let's say? Yeah, so if they're real dug in to their positions and they're real steadfast and they're not budging. Nobody wants to compromise. Um, they're just not seeing things the same way. Eventually, you know, I'll stop the conversation and say, well, you know, recognize that we're not making progress. And um, at that point, if, it, if the matter has already been filed with the court, it just kicks straight back to the judge. If it hasn't been filed yet, then they need to file. Then it, that issue would go to the judge and ultimately the judge who's a stranger, they're very talented, they care a lot, but it's a stranger telling you where your kid's going to go to school or who's going to make those decisions. Right. And in my experience, what they end up doing is asking the parents um, historical questions. Well, who usually makes these decisions? Who usually takes the kids to school? Who usually goes to the parent-teacher conferences? Who usually helps with homework? who's gone to the 504 meeting, all of the things. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the parent that's going to have final decision-making. Mm -hmm. Now, do you, do you see a lot of like grandparents in on this mix? Have you been involved with that type of situation? And how does that work? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and involving others that aren't the parents, let's say. Sure, both. So uh, sometimes um, if, if one of the parents is deceased, and that parent's parents are engaged and involved with the child. Um, I've done mediations with the grandparents and then the living parent to help 
figure out the whole parenting plan so that the grandparents can be a part of it. And if the, the living parent you know, has a work schedule that makes it really tough to get the kid to and from school and the grandparents fit that role, absolutely we can figure that out. Um, and the same thing with other adult like step parents. Um, absolutely, apparently you get remarried and you know you come back post divorce and you've got to figure some things out. Um, and we roll the step parent in um, as makes sense <laughs> if if it's right. a good fit. If <laughs> if they're a helpful person to the mediation, then absolutely they can be a part of the conversation to make it work for the kid. Now it's like more parents involved, more loving people involved to help the kids succeed is a good thing, right? So do people, now that you've brought that up about remarrying, that I would think, yeah, that would add another layer to the whole situation. So if someone remarried, then is it best to go back to the drawing board and bring the mediator back into it again with the new person involved, or I guess if they have to, yeah, if they have to, they always can. You can always come back to mediation. If the parents get along well enough and the new parent, step parent gets in the mix and it's all smooth, you don't need to come back to mediation. You just keep working it out. Um, that would be your wonderful low conflict <laughs> dynamic, <laughs> right? Where everyone gets along and, and acts very mature and, and is accommodating and flexible and understanding. Mm -hmm. um, if anyone in that mix is not those things, if they're more rigid or they don't trust the new step parent for some reason, um, then they may have to come back. And a lot of it depends on what goes into your original divorce decree. Sometimes people will address third parties ahead of the game. Um, so it's already figured out and they don't need to come back, but some folks don't. And there's a lot of questions depending on who that new step parent is and how everybody gets along. <laughs> right. <laughs> so do parents have to mediate or can they just let a judge decide in this case? Yeah. So in Georgia and in most states now, any divorce, particularly with children, uh, case that is contested, where not all the areas that need to be addressed are in agreement. If there's disagreement on anything, mm -hmm. the judge will send your case to mediation. Um, so if you don't already have it all figured out, you're going to mediation at some point. Mm -hmm. um, so the difference is uh, waiting till judge does that. And by then, a lot of things are way out of your control. You don't get to pick your judge ever. Um, and you don't get to pick when the judge is going to send you to mediation. You may not get to pick, you know, when that mediation is going to happen. You do get to pick your mediator, though. So you can do that, even if it's a court-ordered one. Um, versus, all of that versus, if you choose to mediate before you even file with the court. So let's say you're getting divorced, you know you don't have it all figured out, um, but you want to maintain control for yourself and your family, you want to maintain privacy, you want to make it more efficient, not some long, drawn-out, litigated, ugly court case. Mm. In that scenario, um, you would look for a mediator privately and work on the issues privately ahead of time so you can get it settled um, and then enter your paperwork with the court as a settled case. You're done, you just need the judge's signature. But back to your question, if it's not figured out, 
Um, yeah, the judge will decide for you um, if you want to let it get there, but you're going to have to mediate first one way or another. <laughs> so you might, as well, you might as well keep control, I think. <laughs> yeah. So when you mentioned about picking a mediator, um, it brought to mind, are, do you have any tips on what parents should be looking for when they choose a good mediator? Yes, I do. In fact, <laughs> um, as with most things, experience goes a long way. Um, and you can always ask, uh, you should be able to always ask a mediator what their experience is, not just when they trained, but how often do they mediate? And is it their full-time thing? Or are they an attorney who sometimes mediates? Or are they therapists who sometimes mediate? So that depth of experience as well as the length. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a court-referred case, depending on the county, a mediator is going to have different rates. Private mediators are definitely going to have different rates. So you can inquire about what they charge. And then for private cases, mediators might have different approaches and formats, how they do it. Mm. Um, and then um, I think background helps too, because if, an, if it's an attorney mediator, they might come at it in a more sort of um, driving litigation feel kind of way versus a therapist. And I'm neither of those. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a straight up mediator. Yeah. So that kind of background can, can help inform. But I do encourage folks to, if it's private, you don't always get the chance with court cases, but if it's private to interview several mediators, get a feel for the personality and go with the one that feels right. Yeah. Um, so we have a, about three more minutes, four more minutes. Is there um, something you can say to parents that, um, you know, why they, why they should get a mediator or you want to describe a story or something common that you see that happens frequently, that maybe there's mistakes that parents are, are making, anything that you want to add on? Yeah, I would say the biggest um, challenge that I see folks bring upon themselves and don't even realize it is that first step of when they've decided to divorce, that they go straight and file with the court. People don't know often that you've got other options, that you can really work on your issues privately outside of court first. Mm -hmm. um, with attorneys, you could do that with attorneys, you can do it with mediators, you can do it with parenting coaches and coordinators, you can do it with divorce coaches. There's a whole bunch of professionals out there that can help you figure out the issues and get them resolved as much as possible so that when you do go to court, you're asking the judge to either just sign off on the final thing because you got it all figured out, or if there are one or two issues you need the judge to weigh in on, it's narrowed down to that. It's mm -hmm. so much more, um, gives you so much more peace of mind having that control and privacy. Um, and I do want to mention there's a new network in Georgia called the Amicable Divorce Network, and it's made up of all kinds of divorce professionals, mediators, attorneys, therapists, um, that are dedicated to helping folks do this as amicably as possible. So that's a really good place to start. That's awesome. Um, so what if, uh, I think I've heard this kind of situation where people will go to mediation but, and they thought they both wanted to go through mediation, but then the one person is being pretty difficult. Is there something the mediator can do to try to calm that situation down, to make it work out? I think in this case, these two ended up 
just saying, I think the woman said, well, forget it. If you're not going to cooperate, we have a mediator. What's the point? And they had to push back and just kind of wait, I guess. Um, I think that's resolved itself. So maybe it's about timing and, and some people think they're ready to do it, but then they hear things and then they're not willing to do that, whatever the mediator says. <laughs> or, yeah, no, you're spot on. That's right. Um, we say that a case is ripe for mediation. Um, if you do it too soon, they're not ready to make decisions. They don't have enough information to make decisions. Um, if they've gone on too long, they might be too protracted into their conflict and it's real hard to dig them out of that. Um, when I work with folks privately, if they don't have attorneys, we, we work at their pace. So I, we do a whole lot of homework on the front end. So they've got all the information they need so they can make decisions. And we don't actually mediate until we have all that information and a good sense of where they are with the issues. Um, so it's, it's so, that's a part of what I mean by control is it's so much easier to, to manage it when you've got your own timeline versus the court's timeline. Cause yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it, if it mediates at the wrong time, it may not work. So um, is the best way to start is, do you give them an intake form or, uh, do you meet with them? I guess in this case, zoom the first time to get a feel for both sides before moving forward to see that. They are actually right <laughs> for mediation, mm -hmm. let's say. Mm -hmm. Yep, all of that. So I have an individual consultation with both spouses to gauge, um, you know, whether I think they're, they'd be a good candidate for mediation and whether they think I'd be a good mediator for them. And if we all agree, um, then we start working on the homework, um, the financial stuff, pulling all the, you know, um, amounts and, and non-amounts together and start mm -hmm. talking about parenting and what they envision as a good parenting plan and all that's phone and email. And that's how I've always done it actually. And then when it were ready, we set up a mediation and now on video um, and really get into the decision-making part of it. Um, okay. And then sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll go, we'll have a three hour mediation and it becomes clear that's, that it's getting a little complicated and, and it's getting a little tough. And maybe that's when they bring in an attorney to get some legal advice. Cause I can give legal information I can't give legal advice. Mm -hmm. So I always recommend that they get legal advice and um, financial advice um, so that they are well equipped to make smart decisions for themselves. Okay. Well, this has been really, really uh, helpful. Great, great information, Tracy. Uh, yeah, how can people um, reach out to you and get in touch with you and assume it's like for a consultation? Yeah, so um, I would encourage folks to go to my website and schedule a consultation. It's free. It gives you a chance to ask me any questions about mediation, the divorce process, mm -hmm. see if you think it's going to be a good fit. Um, and that is at www.claritymediation.net slash scheduling. If you go to claritymediation.net, and you'll see the scheduling link there. It's pretty obvious. Um, and then you can pick a time that works for you and we can talk about what all you got going on and see if mediation might be a good fit. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today, Tracy. It's been thank you. great having you on the show. And parents, I hope you will reach out to Tracy if you need her services as she would be awesome to help you out. All right. Take care and have a good rest of the day. Bye-bye. Thanks, Helen. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. 
I hope this episode has been insightful and inspirational. Whenever you're listening, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to get the next episodes and to join our email list by going to dynamuslearningacademy.com slash podcast. You may also contact me if you need tutoring assistance for your child. I may be reached at helen at dynamuslearningacademy.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.